I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome back to the podcast. As always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. I'm your host, Mark Daly, and tonight is Sunday night, and that means on Sundays we sit back and look back at the race weekend that was at what turned out to be a fairly uneventful Belgian Grand Prix, at least at the the top of the running order. But before we get into what happened at uh, Spa-Francorchamps earlier today, let's just uh, quickly go over the uh, race results. And of course, no surprise here. The race was once again won by Lewis Hamilton, leading his teammate uh, Valtteri uh, Bottas home. Max Verstappen in the Red Bull rounded out the podium. And then, fourth and fifth, a pair of Renaults, which uh, has been a long time coming, uh, but very good for them. His second to fourth place finish in four races for uh, Danny Ricciardo, leading home his t- teammate Esteban Ocon. Then we had uh, Alex Albon in the second uh, Red Bull. Lando Norris in the sole uh, McLaren. Pierre Gasly, Lance Stroll, and Sergio Perez in the two... Uh, uh, racing points um, around or rounding out the top 10, pardon me. Then we had Danny Kvyat, Kimi Raikkonen, Sebastian Vettel, and Charles Leclerc in the two Ferrari cars in 13th and 14th. Then we had uh, Roman Grosjean and Nicholas uh, Latifi, 15th and 16th. And then in 17th, we had uh, Kevin Magnussen in the second Haas. So we had uh, three cars that were not uh, classified at the end of this race. Uh, one was uh, Antonio Giovinazzi and George Russell, who crashed out in a very nasty crash on lap nine. And then we had uh, Carlos Sainz, who didn't even start the race after he had issues with his exhaust system in his uh, McLaren. So uh, looking at the the, the standings, um, it's a, a one-horse race, as it has been uh, for a while. Uh, Lewis Hamilton on top, 157 points. Uh, Max Verstappen in the Red Bull, 110 points. Uh, just only three points ahead now of, uh, of Valtteri Bottas in the second uh, Mercedes. But uh, these two have been uh, pretty close in the standings in the Drivers' Set Championship for the past uh, several races. Then fourth, we have uh, Alex Albon. Fifth is uh, Charles Leclerc in the, in the Ferrari with uh, 45 points. He's just uh, holding the station now. He's actually tied on points with uh, Lando Norris and only three points ahead of uh, Lance Stroll. Then rounding out uh, the, the top 10 in the Drivers' Championship, uh, we have uh, Danny Ricardo, Sergio Perez, and then Esteban Ocon in the second uh, Renault. On the constructors, uh, well, do we really need to go over it? Of course we do. We we tend to obsess about the details on the show. We'll go over the top five because that's all that's uh, really uh, relevant and important. Uh, Mercedes, 264 points. Red Bull, 158 points. McLaren, Racing Point, and then a Ferrari rounding out uh, the, the top five in the uh, constructors Ferrari, I, I should mention have 61 points after the the you know after today's race in spa they're only two points ahead of Renault now in the constructors and the way that uh, they're going uh, backwards and falling into the abyss and after a very good weekend a very good uh, race uh, by uh, the, the the two uh, Renault drivers who knows maybe Ferrari's going to start um, 
sinking down in the uh, the constructors uh, championship uh, as well just brutal brutal stuff anyways uh, ferrari said that they're disappointed and angry by their display in the, uh, the the race on sunday afternoon they didn't score any points didn't get into the uh, into, into the top 10 and even worse than that they didn't even look like they were going to get in the top 10 they didn't even look like they were good to get a single point or a couple of points by sneaking into a couple of the point pain uh, position, say ninth or 10th or 8th or something like that, just did not uh, have anything uh, at all to really challenge for anything. Anyways, uh, team principal uh, Matteo Bonato said that the team was severely lacking uh, both in aerodynamic efficiency and power at Spa-Francorchamps, and uh, he went on to say that it's uh, become it was a difficult uh, point in what's been a trying year so far. Anyways, uh, Bonato said, uh, quote, we are disappointed and angry, as indeed are our fans, and with good reason. It's a difficult moment in a season that we knew from the start was going to be a tough one, but it's at times like this that we need to stand firm and look ahead in order to get over this difficult period. It's the only way that we will get out of this uh, situation. I mean, end quote, just absolutely mind-blowing stuff. I mean, if it, you, you go back and you look at the, uh, the the cars that actually finished outside of the points, I mean, I know that there were a, a couple of cars that uh, that that uh, were, were not kind of classified at the, uh, the end of the race, but if you go down uh, 10th, or sorry, 11th with Danny Kvyat in the Alpha Tauri. Then 12th, uh, Kimi Raikkonen, Alfa Romeo, that's uh, got a Ferrari engine in it. The two works Ferraris, obviously, Roman Grosjean and 15th Haas, uh, that has a Ferrari engine. You have uh, Nicholas uh, Latifi and the Williams with the Mercedes power unit in 16th. I mean, that's uh, pretty standard uh, to see a, a Williams down there. And then the last car uh, was uh, was Kevin Magnussen in the second uh, Haas, and that obviously has a, uh, a, 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 pardon me, a Ferrari power unit in it as well. But I mean, if you go and look everywhere above Danny Kivia, they're all running a Honda, Mercedes, uh, Renault Power. I mean, it's just absolutely mind blowing just to see uh, how far the, you know that's you know, how far they've fallen. Not just as a works team, but also as an engine supplier. I mean, okay, sure. I mean, Alfa Romeo and Haas aren't really uh, you know lighting a, a big fire and taking Formula One by storm, but still, I mean, you would think if you had a Ferrari power unit, that's going to be one of the better ones on the grid. But they're really falling off the the, the, the radar fast. I mean, it is just um, absolutely crazy. I mean. Uh, you look to at the start of the race, uh, Charles Leclerc had a very good start to the race. I mean, I think he gained three or four spots, um, places right at the start of the, uh, the on, on the opening lap. But uh, it was uh, it was a bit of a flash in the pan. It didn't last uh, very long. And uh, before he knew it, uh, poor old Charles was uh, sliding back down through the running uh, order. And, uh, well, I mean, Charles had to say, quote, it was extremely frustrating as it has been a very difficult weekend for us. The race was not any easier as we've had issues on the two pit stops that we made, which made uh, me lose quite a lot of lap time and positions. I try to catch back up, but it's very difficult uh, for us to overtake, even with the DRS. We need to, to work and find something because like this, this is very difficult, end quote. Um, Sebastian Vettel, on the other hand, uh, had to say, quote, we have to work hard. As there are a lot of lessons said uh, this weekend, so we have to make sure we stay strong, stay together, and do the best that we can. We have two important races coming up for the team in the next two weeks, so that is where we uh, focus, but we also have to be realistic uh, as we cannot expect miracles. The package is what it is. 
and we are not as strong as we would like to be, so we need to stay optimistic and see the good things, even as, uh, as at the minute there are not many, end quote. And you know, he is right. There are not very many good things uh, to talk about if you're Ferrari uh, at the moment. Anyways, uh, Total Wolf, the team principal, he's calling Ferrari out. Uh, he's actually questioning the priority of the, the, the leadership at the Scuderia. And uh, he, you know, he, he went on, he wasn't specific, but he just, um, I'll read you the full quote in a moment here. He was talking about uh, certain members of the Ferrari team. I mean, they had the worst qualifying of the season in Belgium, and uh, that was 13th and 14th. They are 1.7 seconds off the pace compared to Lewis's uh, pole time. And uh, if you look at it last year, both Ferraris were on the front row and Charles went on to, to, to win the race. I mean, Ferrari have gone from being arguably um, a Mercedes uh, top rival in Formula One over the past uh, couple of years. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, last year, I mean, they've kind of been dropping off uh, slowly but but surely, but now they're they're completely in a different uh, galaxy. And Toto, he actually sees this as a bad thing for Formula One. I mean, I, I can sit here and, and complain about how boring it is to watch uh, Lewis Hamilton and, and, and Valtteri Bottas uh, go away. I mean, they, they didn't smoke uh, the entire field by 30 or 40 seconds or something like that. I mean, there were only uh, several seconds between Lewis and Valtteri, and then Valtteri to, uh, to Max was a similar gap at the end of the race. But still, I mean, the end result is the race, uh, you know, basically the same. And uh, it, it's a guy in, uh, in, in the black Mercedes, uh, you know, climbing out and, and celebrating the, the, the victory. But the thing is, that's not all on them. They're going out there. They're going out to win. They're going what they need to do. And they do what they do very well. The thing is that there's nobody's been able to step up and uh, and really challenge them for that. I mean, Max is close, but not quite close enough. No matter what he does, he's still at arm's length, uh, which is so frustrating, I think, if, you, if you're Max Verstappen. To know you're that close in a car that's not quite as good as the W11, but you're not quite close enough to really challenge them under nor- normal racing conditions. I mean, we saw in the in the two races at um, in Britain a couple of weeks ago uh, when they had the the, the two or the the tire issues with the Mercedes cars. Uh, but uh, the the thing is, there's nobody out there to push these guys uh, consistently. Anyways, uh, Toto had to say, "Quote: Ferrari is an iconic brand, and they should be racing at the very." front. It's not good for Formula One, not good for the competition at the front, and I I very much feel for all the Tifosi for this lack of performance. But at the end, one must question the priorities that have been set in recent times and where the lack of performance comes from. Overall, nobody from the the fans and the Ferrari people deserve such a result. It's wrong to say Ferrari's priorities uh, because that drags Ferrari and everybody Ferrari into this. It's maybe the decisions that have been made within the team from certain members of the team, end quote. So yeah, I mean, it, it's a little bit uh, of a vague statement, uh, but at the same time, I mean, he's being specific by being a little bit vague. I mean, he, he's not calling out the people, uh, the, the mechanics, the designers, the engineers, the people that are, that are building uh, the, these cars. I don't think he's uh, specifically calling out the drivers either. I think he's very much uh, focused focusing in on the leadership at, uh, at the Scuderia. And he's calling them out that, uh, that what, what they're doing, the decisions that they're making, and regardless if uh, Ferrari themselves think that they have to take a couple of steps backwards to go forwards in, in order to improve is the right thing to do. But Total, I, I think he's he's spoken. And when your rival says something like that, I think you have to sit up and take, uh, take notice because they are in a very, very dark place. Anyways, uh, time for a break here on the Overtime Media Network. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. 
superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. So um, I mentioned off the the, the, the top there when it's going over the, uh, the the final race result that there was only three cars that did not finish the the, the Belgian Grand Prix. Uh, one was um, uh, Carlos Sainz of the McLaren, who didn't even uh, make it to the start line after having an issue with his exhaust system. And then the other two cars that didn't finish uh, were uh, Antonio Giovinazzi in the Alfa Romeo and uh, George Russell in the Williams, who again made it into Q2, which I think uh, deserves a lot of praise. He's doing some decent things with that car and qualifying in a car which is still maybe not as bad as it was last year maybe the year before but it's still obviously not one of the best cars is a let's be honest it's far from being a decent car in formula one anyways uh you know, frustrating for for george but i mean it was a scary scary crash i mean uh, where we saw him um, sorry, uh, Giovinazzi crashing at Lafanian La uh, lap ten of the race. He he came around the corner. He didn't get up on the curbs, but it looks like he put the, the the power down a little bit too too quick. Lost the back of the car. Crashed into the barriers. And then, as the car really came apart, as the energy really dissipated through the uh, you know the different structures in the car, uh, and uh, one of the, uh, the 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 wheels came off, and then uh, George Russell tried to avoid that. He ended up crashing into the barriers, and you know, honestly, um, my heart went into my throat when I saw that because we we just got a look uh, from the you know from behind where the two cars were, and it looked really nasty because it had only just happened. There's a lot of smoke and steam and everything coming up with Giovinazzi's car, and I mean, there's just debris Debris littering everywhere, and uh, you know, my my first reaction was, "Oh my God, that does not look good. That looks like a very very serious accident." And fortunately, the the cameras panned around to the the, the front of the vehicles, and you could actually see you know, the both drivers getting out of the car, getting out of the cockpits. Uh, fortunately, the survival cell around the the, the cockpit was uh, very much intact, and uh, both of those guys uh, walked away. But um, George Russell said that he's uh, very thankful to have the, the the halo in place on his car because it was actually his right front that uh, flicked up and was actually uh, prevented from uh, going into the cockpit um, uh, because of the halo. And it, was, it really is funny. I mean, a couple of years ago, the the, the big debate was how ugly they are and um, how awful they look and how they spoil the lines of the car. I think we've all really gotten uh, used to them. And, and fortunately... We have seen a couple of scary incidents, uh, you know, in the past couple of years since they have been introduced. 
that they have actually done what they needed uh, to, to do. Anyways, uh, George went on to say that uh, he, he called the crash, was very unlucky, and he said there was nowhere that he could have gone to actually avoid uh, the, the, the collision and um, you know colliding or uh, impacting some of the debris out there. So very, very scary moment uh, that had fortunately a good ending. Danny Ricardo, one of my drivers uh, of the day, I'm very impressed uh, with, uh, well, not just him, but also his uh, teammate Esteban Alco uh, coming home in fourth and fifth. I mean, these are the kind of results, honestly, I think that we've been expecting from Renault a, a long, long time ago, and it's uh, it's really been uh, prolonged. Is, is it just a one-off? Is this uh, something that we're not going to be uh, expecting to see again, maybe next week at Monza, then uh, Mugello in two weeks? Who knows? But um, it, it certainly was a very, very good um, uh, result for them today. And actually, uh, Danny Ricardo uh, captured the single point uh, for the, the, the fastest lap at the end of the race. And get this, is this is the first time that they had a, a fastest lap since uh, Robert Kubica got uh, one in Canada uh, for Renault way back in, in 2010. Anyways, uh, Danny Ricardo had to say, quote, my engineer told me the current fastest lap uh, uh, with a lap to go, and it was about half a second quicker than what I'd done. I wasn't really wasting too much time, but I thought I, I, proper, I put in a proper qualifying lap in, used all the track everywhere, and it was a big lap, probably better than my qualifying lap uh, uh, yesterday, end quote. So, Really, really, uh, you know, good to, to see. And, uh, you know, very good for them. I mean, they they took home 23 points from uh, from uh, Spa today. And that's actually the biggest uh, number of points that they've uh, bagged in a race since they came uh, back as a full-time manufacturer in 2016. So um, last year in uh, Monza, they, uh, they had a similar points uh, haul. They had uh, 22 points at the Italian Grand Prix. And um, Ricardo actually is, is full of confidence at the moment, and he thinks uh, this is something that uh, they can um, they, they can um, uh, repeat uh, next week at the Italian Grand Prix. We'll wait and see. Uh, but I mean, I mean, uh, Spa is very much a power circuit, uh, flat out uh, a lot of the time, and uh, and uh, Monza is very similar. Who knows? But uh, certainly wish them well. And it was uh, good to uh, to see them up there. Uh, and uh, well, I mean, they were definitely not close enough to keep up uh, with uh, Max Verstappen. But I've been critical about these guys over the years. I've really thought that they should be one of these guys that were the, the best of the rest. And certainly today they were best of the rest. And they, they just need to keep uh, doing that. And hopefully uh, slowly but surely keep improving. Anyways, uh, Max Verstappen uh, said that uh, managing tires at the Belgian Grand Prix made it a, a pretty boring race. And then uh, he believes that uh, out of the 44 laps, he spent 38 of those managing his tires onto uh, what was a, a pretty routine third place uh, performance. I mean, I'm not going to take anything away from Max. I mean, he is the closest guy to the, the both uh, Mercedes drivers. And uh, I mean, he's, he, you know, he, he's been, um, I mean, he's good to, that he got a race win a couple of weeks ago with Silverstone. But as I was saying a little bit earlier in the show, it must be so frustrating for Max. No, you got a pretty decent car, but still it's not quite good enough. You're still just not quite uh, you know, close enough to push those Mercedes drivers each and every race. I mean, it was an exciting opening lap there. I mean, uh, uh, Lewis was uh, on the inside of the track. I mean, he got off to a good start. Uh, Bottas had a decent start as well. And then uh, Max was... Uh under a pretty uh, decent attack by uh, Danny Ricardo for the you know, most of the first lap there until things uh, settled down. 
but then it came uh, pretty uh, readily apparent that once uh, the, you know the the race had kind of uh, you know they got those first couple of uh, laps out of the way and uh, everything really settled down that it, it's starting to look uh, fairly uh, routine and not that there's ever a good time to have uh, an an accident in a safety car like we saw with the Giovinazzi uh, Russell incident uh, like I say fortunately that uh, that that was an accident that uh, looked a lot worse than it was and both guys were were fortunately uh, okay but still I mean from from the timing in the race I mean uh, when, when the safety car came out and we see a safety car there every year I think we've had one the last 6 or 7 years in a row it just came right at that time that maybe within a couple of laps, uh, some of the guys running the softer compound tires were going to start pitting. So, of course, what happened was everybody went in at the same time, except for the um, a couple of guys, like I think it was Pierre Gasly and, uh, and, and Sergio Perez, who uh, decided to stay out there and, uh, and uh, go in later after the safety car, which seemed strange at the time, but I guess uh, it's, uh, it kind of worked out uh, for them. I mean, uh, Alpha Tauri, uh, especially um, uh, Pierre Gasly, he's looking really good. I mean... For a guy that was uh, pretty shaky uh, at times last year, especially when he was at Red Bull and then uh, didn't really what didn't really do anything too exciting on his uh, return to uh, what was then uh, Toro Rosso, but um, he seems to really have matured and, uh, and is really doing some good things in that Alpha Tauri. And uh, you can see why that conversation is out there is that, uh, you know, well, Alex Albon isn't really doing uh, all that, uh, you know, anything too impressive at uh, at Red Bull this year. And it's, uh, you know, made, did they pull the trigger too quick? to send uh, Gasly back to, to Toro Rosso last year rather than riding it out, let him find in his groove. But, I mean, uh, we've seen now, I mean, it's been confirmed now that they did to, you know, what they did to Gasly. I mean, was uh, not just a, a one-off what they did with uh, Danny Kvyat when they switched him for Max Verstappen, uh, you, know, you know, several years ago now. I mean, obviously that paid off. I mean, uh, Max is one of the best drivers in Formula One, looks like a future world champion and, uh, and all that, uh, but still. Anyways, getting back to, to Max, uh, was uh, what, what are you saying about the tire management leading to a, a pretty boring uh, Belgian Grand Prix? The Dutchman had to say, quote, on the hard tire, I was trying to follow Valtteri a bit and then I told uh, him to speed up. And uh, I lost a bit of ground. From then on, at one point, uh, with 10 laps to go, I started to have really bad vibrations on the tires, and I started to have a lot of understeer. Then we discussed if we should do a, a pit stop, and I had Daniel in my pit stop window. So I said, let's go in and uh, then and manage it. It's such a shame. It's a, such an amazing track, but, and then we can't really push. It was pretty boring, to be honest. It's a shame. I really enjoyed driving here. We did 44 laps, right? I probably spent 38 of them managing a lot. It's not been the most exciting race today, end quote. Yeah, Certainly it wasn't. And, uh, well, I mean, uh, both of these, uh, no, uh, it wasn't just uh, Red Bull, but uh, both the Mercedes cars, uh, they went out there and they really pushed the, 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 the tires beyond the limit. I mean, remember a couple of years ago, several years ago now, that uh, Sebastian Vettel, he had uh, a tire blow on uh, right at the very end of the, the, the Belgian Grand Prix that year. And uh, his tire went uh, when he was going down the Kemmel Strait. And again, that was uh, that was later identified that uh, that they just pushed the, the the tire further than they should have, and uh, you could see that uh, both um, Hamilton and uh, and Bottas uh, ran wide going into the bus stop uh, chicane in the latter stages of the races, and they really really pushed it. But it was uh, it, it wasn't exciting to watch. I mean, the the action we saw on the track and the and the overtaking came back in, in the midfield where you tend to see a lot of action. But I mean, when it comes to the championship and race wins and things like that, we want to see that action obviously moved up not just in the midfield but uh, throughout uh, the, the the race order on a, on a, 
know, during a Grand Prix, and we just didn't see it today, and it was uh, a shame. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Mercedes uh, have uh, lent a little bit of uh, clarity to uh, a radio communication between uh, Valtteri Bottas and his engine, uh, his engineer, and during the uh, the opening uh, portion of the, uh, the the Belgian Grand Prix. Anyways, uh, Potas uh, was asking his engineer if he had a one push available to try and catch uh, Lewis uh, just uh, before the pit stop uh, window. And then um, his engineer came back and he said, quote, we agreed not to use it against each other. And then uh, Bottas replied, uh, quote, I never heard of that, end quote. So, you know, it, it, you know, the way that it sounded like was that uh, that it almost sounded kind of like a like a veiled team order, right? It's like, uh, Valtteri, stay where you are, don't fight uh, Lewis, and then uh, you can go back, you know, just uh, stay where you are. Anyways, uh, Total Wolf had to say, uh, when asked about a quote there, there's no rules in place between the two drivers. They're allowed to uh, and, and free to race. In the morning, we agreed and discussed uh, that we obviously have a limited amount of overtakes and that we should try not to use them against each other or the last one against each other. There was always the risk of needing it against Max or any other car. This is what we are referring to. With Valtteri, obviously, there was maybe a miscommunication between him and some of the other guys. That is why we reiterated it, uh, end quote. So uh, there you go. Anyways, I mean, still, I don't know if it made a, a difference. Um, Bottas, I mean, uh, either he misinterpreted that uh, that uh, that that radio transmission and decided to hold station, not push his uh, teammate, or he just won't. And you know, I, I question that. Sometimes I think that uh, Bottas, for for one reason or another, that I'm obviously I don't think he's as quick as as Lewis Hamilton head to head, but uh, neither does he really try and push him either. At least. Not all the time. I mean, we've never really seen any uh, real, uh, you know, real fighting between these guys uh, on on the track. And I really question whether or not uh, Bottas would do it uh, push come to shove. I mean, obviously, like I was saying, I I don't think that he can match uh, Lewis for pure speed. And he's going to win races here and there. I just don't expect to see these guys uh, fighting head-to-head during a Grand Prix. Anyways, uh, time for another uh, break here on the Overtime Media Network. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right. Well, uh, welcome back to the show. And just sticking with uh, Mercedes and uh, Lewis Hamilton, uh, he was saying that uh, he was nervous uh, that he might have another repeat of a, of a, tire, a tire failure that uh, that he saw at uh, Silverstone uh, several weeks ago uh, towards the end of the Belgian Grand Prix uh, earlier today. I mean, he was absolutely uh, dominant uh, throughout uh, the entire race. But uh, you, you could tell that these guys were really struggling for grip, uh, you know, not just Hamilton, but uh, Bottas, Max was complaining about uh, vibrations in the tires and uh you know you saw lewis uh, lock up his uh, you know his tires uh, his, uh, a couple of times and he was reporting over race radio that uh, his tires uh you know he, he was really concerned he wouldn't make it to, to the checkered flag he was also suffering for, uh, from a, vi- a vibration anyways uh, lewis had to say quote it wasn't the easiest of races uh, there were a couple of moments uh, i locked up into turn five and we started to get a bit of a vibration and then once into the last corner there were uh, tire temps were slowly dropping no matter how much you were pushing I guess as you lose rubber, you start to lose temperature in the tires. It was a bit of a a struggle, but it was okay. 
I was a bit nervous that we might have a scenario like Silverstone with the right front towards the end, so I was nursing it. It looks like uh, the tire had plenty of rubber on it, uh, so maybe it was fine, end quote. So, you know, still, it it, uh, it just goes to show you that uh, it, it doesn't always appear to be as straightforward and easy for, uh, for for everyone, uh, even though it might look like that on the track. But, uh, you know, seeing Lewis go wide in, in the bus stop and then his, uh, his teammate uh, a lap later, you don't really expect to see uh, things like that uh, for, from Lewis Hamilton. I mean, it goes to show uh, you know, a couple of things that uh, the, the tires were right at the limit and, uh, you know, they were really uh, you know, getting towards the end of their, their usefulness or probably uh, beyond it. And you could see why uh, Lewis was, uh, you know, concerned that they, uh, they they might not take him to the end of the, 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 the race uh, before, or he might uh, suffer a similar incident like we saw at Silverstone a couple of weeks ago. But then, uh, you know, I think he was also really, really pushing it to, to stay ahead of his uh, his teammate as well. Um, yeah, it, it is interesting and to see it. There's there is a, I think a bit of an issue with uh, you know the 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 tire wear <clears throat> on the Mercedes, but still, you know it. Uh, it seems to be the one weakness in the car, and it doesn't seem like. It's not a consistent one. It's not a huge one. But at the end of the day, I mean, I think the problems that they've seen are more down to them really pushing the tires uh, beyond what uh, what what they're really meant for. I guess maybe the the exception to that was the 70th anniversary Grand Prix at Silverstone where they had the the, the blistering uh, issues uh because of w- with the track temperature and everything like that. But then the next week you go to Spain similar um, you know uh, conditions temperature wise both with air temperature and and the track temperature and the blistering uh, was uh, wasn't an issue. So I mean, there is something going on there, and uh, we've seen it manifest a couple of times. I mean, uh, Max Verstappen uh, took advantage of it once. I mean, just happened to be in the, you know, the, 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 he was in a, a much better uh, <clears throat> car with uh, better, uh, better tires in that race, and he came very close to, uh, uh, you know, winning that first race at the British Grand Prix because, uh, you know, Lewis, uh, you know, drove his uh, Mercedes tri- uh, tricycle around and across uh, the, the, the finish line. So it's, it's something to keep an eye on. And uh, something we'll be looking at again uh, next week uh, for the uh, Italian Grand Prix. Anyways, uh, Pierre Gasly, uh, another guy who had a pretty good uh, race on uh, Sunday, uh, admitted that uh, he thought he was going to be in the wall when he pulled off uh, a very spectacular overtake of uh, Sergio Perez uh, at Spa. So uh, Gasly, th- this was when they were coming down from uh, La Source into Eau Rouge. And uh, so uh, Gasly, he did try to pass him uh, in there and he managed to squeeze through on the right uh, just between uh, the, you know, the, the, the racing point of uh, Sergio Perez and the and uh, and the barrier, and it was uh, it was really really uh, impressive stuff. Uh, but I mean, you know, it was pretty uh, uh, you know pretty uh, edgy as well. I mean, uh, Martin Brundle, the uh, you know uh, color commentator on Sky, he said, you know, if those two had come together, would have uh, at that point on the track, it would have looked like a plane crash, and it would have been a major thing. And it was very similar to uh, the incident we saw with uh, Perez and then his uh, teammate uh, Esteban Alcott racing point uh, a couple of uh, years ago. Anyways, uh, Gasly uh, went on to uh, describe it uh, after the race saying, quote, honestly, I thought we were in the wall. I'm not kidding. I was inside. I was like, I can't uh, have more than that. And at that point, we're probably going 280 or 300 kilometers an hour. Sergio really squeezed me, which uh, made me uh, even like, uh, I'm not going to lift. I'm not going to make this work. And it was tight. Sergio is a hard racer. I knew it was there for sure. Uh, my heartbeat was uh, slightly high when he started to squeeze me, but I was committed and I was like, there's no way I'm going to lift. I'm going to make the, this move work. And it was a great one. End quote. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's one of those things. Sometimes the uh, the 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 line between success and uh, disastrous failure is a, is a fine one. And uh, for this time, at least it worked out 
for Pierre Gasly. Anyways, uh, next week, or sorry, in two weeks from now, Mugello for the for the Tuscan Grand Prix. They're actually going to be the first Grand Prix of the year to allow fans into the stands. Uh, and, uh, you know, and we're starting to get used to these uh, very limited uh, events, but uh, it looked like it wasn't going to be until the end of September uh, on um, at the Russian Grand Prix on September 25th. That uh, that was going to be the, the initial race that they were targeting to have uh, people in the stands. So that gets uh, moved up uh, by, by, by two weeks. But it's not really a huge amount of people. I mean, we're not going to see 50, 60, 75,000 people, whatever, you know, the capacity of Mugello is. So during the three-day 28, uh, it's just, well, it's, it's a weird number. It's 2,880 spectators can attend each and every day. So there's a 1,000 that can uh, fit in one grandstand, another in a, you know, another 1,000 in another one. And then there's, uh, uh, you know, there's uh, different uh, uh, fan clubs. The Scuderia Ferrari Club will be uh, offered, uh, you know, uh, I think it's a, what, what are they saying here? A private allocation. That's the, the, the term I was looking for. A private allocation of 880 tickets available in a, in another grandstand, so that's uh, kind of uh, interesting. Anyways, uh, they had to say, uh, quote, a detailed operating plan presented Mugello Circuit and approved by Regione Toscana contains all the anti-COVID-19 actions envisioned in the circumstance to guarantee the maximum safety for all attendees. Tickets will be made available from Tuesday, 1 September. End quote. There you go. So that's a kind of cool. So it, it is going to be Ferrari's 1000 Grand Prix as a team in Formula One. And uh, so there you go. I mean, you, you can see why that was uh, moved up uh, and, and, and why they got that uh, taken care of and why also they got those uh, 880 uh, tickets uh, allocated to, to them and members of the, the, their fan club. Anyways, uh, also looking ahead, uh, Lewis Hamilton is uh, set to match uh, Michael Schumacher's uh, record uh, at uh, Mugello uh, as well. And uh, he said, well, I mean, if he wins next weekend in, um, in, in Monza, the Italian Grand Prix, that'll be a, a victory number 90. And then he could tie Mugello uh, 91, which is uh, Schumacher's uh, record. And then, uh, you know, it would be quite the, uh, the uh, occasion. So also, uh, Lewis Hamilton, uh, just to, to finish up here, he's planning to open a museum to showcase all his trophies and race cars when he uh, eventually deti- decides to retire from uh, racing. Uh, like you're saying, I mean, he, he, I mean, he's only a couple of race wins off uh, tying uh, Michael and then uh, ultimately, uh, you know, surpassing him, which he's going to do this year. Unless uh, you know, he suffers some sort of Ferrari-esque drop in, uh, in in performance, which is not going to happen. Anyways, uh, Lewis had to tell uh, Built uh, Magazine, quote, at home, I only have two trophies, one from GQ Magazine, which I simply put on my table when I got home after the award ceremony, and one from the FIA. That's it. It's funny. I've won all these trophies, and not one of them is at uh, at home. The cups from racing are all in, uh, all stored, and when I say they are in storage, it doesn't mean in boxes in the basement. They are in a private place. I don't drive for the trophies. I don't drive for the records. I drive because I love it. That's how I am. Many of my friends are also athletes, and they actually have all their trophies clearly on dis- uh, uh, on display. But that's not how I tick. If you come to my house, you will see. A, a, you wouldn't even know I'd ever won a race. What I would like to do is put them all on a display in a museum. My fans uh, support uh, me in everything I do, so they can look at all the trophies. It might cost a pound to enter, which will then be donated to, to charity, so everyone would benefit from it. End quote. So there you go. That would be kind of a cool thing. I'm sure that uh, will be an amazing museum, but uh, 
be kind of weird to think about uh, Formula One without uh, Lewis Hamilton. So anyways, we'll leave it on that note. Uh, Thank you very much uh, for downloading and listening to the show. I'll be back in a couple of days at the end of the week uh, with the usual show. And until then, have a great week. Take care. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com.